The following is a production of the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of UFBA Today. I'm your guest host, Show Ali. Of course, I am the head of sport for basketball across the UFF sports platform. Uh, thank you for having me back. You may remember me from episode one of UFBA Today, where we chatted about kind of my role, my responsibilities here on the platform. I guess being head of sport means, uh, you know, rolling with the punches a little bit, which is why I'm your guest host. We're going to look for I think a more permanent host in the not-too-distant future, you know, made some changes behind the scenes here. So uh, you can expect to see my face here on UFBA today. Uh, let's, I don't know, maybe through the next couple of months, let's say, and we'll, we'll roll with the punches like I always like to say. Um, my responsibilities, generally speaking, have to do with the UFBA, the NBA itself, but we're always having conversations about, you know, college basketball, the WNBA, uh, the Legends League, all of those kinds of things. So expect to hear all of those news items. If you are if you are one of the owners or you just want to know about the Legends League or anything like that, expect to find out about all those things right here on this YouTube channel slash podcast. So stay tuned here on UFBA Today. Uh, the Legends League, I also wanted to give a shout out to our pals on the football side of things. My, my friend Andy McNamara getting things started with the football side. Uh, if you ever wanted to see Otto Graham throw for 900 yards in a single game, uh, then you definitely want to pay attention to the AFLL. Um, any Legends League stuff, of course, will be nominated and and uh, announced to you guys right here on UFBA Today. So uh, always stay tuned here for that. On today's episode, though, we have a busy show. Uh, a little later on, we're going to be joined by Kevin Lewis, who is the head of sport for women's basketball. He'll be the head of sport and the commissioner. He's going to be wearing a lot of hats for the UF. WBA he has some exciting announcements for us as the uh, WNBA season in real life is going to get started in a couple of months. So we want to bring you some more information on the franchise auction and how the rule book will work. I'm, I'm sure it'll look similar enough to the UFBA, but obviously there's some major differences, especially with the size of rosters and so on. So Kevin is going to join us a little later on to chat about all things WNBA. But on today's episode, as far as the UFBA is concerned, a lot of uh, a lot of activity in the league, right? We have a ton of trades. Um, we had the conference votes. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys realized we had division names as well. So we have a small announcement on division names in case you missed it in any of the Telegram chats or any of the emails I've been sending out to you guys. But uh, a lot of information in today's uh, episode of UFBA today. So why don't we get right to it? I wanted to start with the trade deadline now. The trade deadline in the NBA is on Thursday, February 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern. And as we know in real life, uh, a lot of these trades will sometimes be submitted. Maybe they're submitted by teams at 2.57 p.m. and they're not announced until 3.10 or 3.15 or something like that. I'm sure it'll be the same in the UFBA uh, league, right? If you guys are working on any trades, I uh, highly encourage, as the person who is the responsible for processing all those trades, I highly, highly encourage you to get your trades in before the deadline of 3 p.m. Eastern on Friday, February 11th, because we like to give you guys 24 hours to, to let the dust settle in the actual NBA. And then you can make your fantasy basketball evaluations as to new destinations and so on. So again, February 11th, 
3 p.m. Eastern is the UFBA trade deadline. So get all your trades in before Friday at 3 p.m. Uh, we have a couple of trades to get to already. Why don't we start with trade number one? And this one is between the uh, Mustangs and the Androids. I think when you look, when you come to, when you look at different trades across the entire UFBA, right? I think you can see how different teams choose to manage assets, right? So if you look at this graphic here. You can kind of see uh, the Mustangs sent away Al Horford. They sent away Kevin Huter. Those, it's always tough whenever you're giving away good players, especially like Huter, right? But I think when you're getting someone like Chris Middleton, despite his massive salary, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I want to say Chris Middleton has some, something like $32 million a year for the next several years, right? When you take on a salary like that and you're giving up uh, other pieces, I think that that shows that you are willing to compete in different ways. Not every, not every team, also, I'll, I'll note, is willing to use their draft picks, right? Some teams will want to use their draft picks in the entry auction. And don't forget, the entry auction will take place after the NBA draft, shortly after the NBA draft itself later this summer. But most teams will use their draft picks or will wait on using their draft picks in that entry auction. Um, and some teams will use it as draft capital. There are a lot of ways to maximize asset management. So when, even when you're dealing away like the Mustangs here, uh, Al Horford and Huter and Aaron Gordon and Frank Kaminsky, who was, I believe, on the IR at the time of the trade, but you're getting guys like Chris Middleton, I think, um, you know, you always, it's hard to not view that as a win. And on the other side of things, the androids are already locked into a uh, relatively, I think, a relatively high draft pick. Um, they're, they are... I think in the bottom five or bottom seven right now, we'll take a look at the standings a little later, but this could also help them as they uh, perhaps, I don't want to say punt, but as they work towards rebuilding their team. So a lot of different ways to manage uh, your assets when it comes to the UFBA. Uh, trade number two, this came in a couple of days ago. Um, actually, pardon me, it came in yesterday. I think it was in the works for a couple of days. But this trade, including Ben Simmons and D'Angelo Russell as the two major pieces. Of course, Ben Simmons, this, this one is fascinating to me because at the time of recording this episode, you know, Ben Simmons is still a Philadelphia 76er in real life. So will Ben Simmons be on his way to Brooklyn for James Harden or, and probably other pieces? Who knows? But I find it interesting that Knight Riders, and they were talking about this in the Telegram chat as well, the Knight Riders are willing to move off of Ben Simmons and his massive salary in return for someone like D'Angelo Russell, who can still compete. Guys like Ishmael Wainwright, Trey Burke, Wayne Ellington, Bit of Days and, and Vassal. These guys are all definitely good pieces that will contribute to both the GOAT and the Knight Riders. But I think clearly the two pieces here are Ben Simmons and D'Angelo Russell. Again, I, I think if Ben Simmons does become a Brooklyn Nets, uh, a member of the Brooklyn Nets, pardon me, I think this could be a massive trade, probably a, a big steal for uh, for the GOAT, right? Because if you get a player like that, then, hey, it's uh, hard to argue. Probably not so much scoring, probably not so many points from someone like Ben Simmons, but he has been the subject of trade speculation, gosh, for the better part of the entire pandemic, dare I say, right? Going back to the last time the 76ers, you know, he had that big clip where Simmons went up, he threw the ball up, refused to take the shot, and there's some maybe there's some bad blood between him and Joel Embiid. Either way, anytime you get massive players like that, in the trade is always really exciting for the UFBA. The last trade I wanted to get to uh, was this trade between the Slashers and the, uh, right, the Midnight Owls. There was another trade that came out with the Slashers right before we recorded this episode. But this one, Slashers and the Owls, as you can see, an absolutely gargantuan trade 
Now, I think that the two active players from the Owls that are going to the Slashers were actually Isaac Okoro and James Boudinite, if you look at this graphic. Uh, BJ Johnson, Jamarco Pickett, Didier Luzada, Vernon Carey, Reggie Perry, Chris Smith are all on the protected list. So as with any trades, if the guy's on the protected list, he goes to the protected list on the new team. So all six of those players went straight to the minors, as Fantrax calls it, or the protected list in, uh, for, the, uh, for the slashers. And uh, for the Midnight Owls, they're getting, of course, the, the major pieces in this deal. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Jaden McDaniels, and Oneka Okongwu. Of course, Alex LeBlanc is our new owner of the Slashers after coming to an agreement with a former owner, Brennan Cobb. So we can welcome Alex back into the league with uh, two major trades. His other trade that he made right before we recorded this episode, so I didn't grab a graphic for you guys, but was that of, I believe it was Yusuf Nurkic has been dealt to the Spitfire Aviators for Chris Duarte and Kai Jones. So another uh, massive trade as far as the uh, Slashers are concerned. I mentioned asset management before. I think what Alex is doing with the Slashers and his in-the-trench management group, I think it's important to note that, again, when we talked about the Mustangs, when we talked about the Androids and asset management there, it's really important to note that not everyone is going to approach the draft the same way, right? The Midnight Owls are in a great position because they are currently, and we're going to take a look at the standings in a couple of minutes, uh, the Midnight Owls are currently tied with the Skyhooks as of Monday for the conference lead, right? I believe they have only lost, what, like eight games all season? A very Definitely in, in single, digit, single digits, pardon me. And I just, when it comes to the Midnight Owls, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, for example, I believe he had a, a foot injury or an ankle injury or something like that, and he wasn't going to be reevaluated until after the All-Star break. But at the same time, even giving up so many assets like the Midnight Owls did, we know that at the top of the conference, they can kind of afford to wait, right? Even if there was a little bit of slippage, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is probably going to play again this year and probably going to play at a very high level, and that's going to be a boon to the Midnight Owls' chances. Do I want to say the Owls are the favorite to win UFBA things right now? I, I don't want to go so far because you never really know when it comes to fantasy sports, right? You certainly had the Spitfire Aviators in the other conference who made that Nurkic move, so... They're trying to keep pace. The Skyhooks with their very loaded roster of young talent. I want to say they have like, I don't know, the entire Rising Stars roster when it comes to what they have going on in fantasy basketball this year. So you never really know, but the Midnight Owls definitely making a major move uh, as we get closer and closer and closer to the UFBA playoffs. Um, the other half of the trade deadline I wanted to talk about was that the trade deadline itself in the UFBA is the cutoff for the prize pool, in case you've forgotten, right? So any uh, trades that are made, pieces of uh, pieces of scope, pieces of that go from each team to the prize pool and the admin wallet. Um, any uh, free agent and waiver auctions, a chunk of that goes to the prize pool as well. And those kinds of things, right? So the deadline for the cutoff for the prize pool is actually at 3 p.m. Eastern on Friday as well. So keep that in mind because it means that when we do this show next week, we can uh, have a more comprehensive breakdown of what the prize pool will look like and how much money is going to each team, how much SCO, I should say, is going to each team. I believe the, the, the percentage breakdown of regular season versus playoffs was something like 70% of the overall prize pool, and it was estimated to be around 400,000 SCO. So 70% of 400,000 SCO, give or take, is going to go to people of the regular season, you know, top teams. MVPs, the sixth man, rookie of the year, et cetera. We'll take a look at all of those things. Uh, and the division winners will get a bit of a payout as well. And then 30%, the remaining 30% will be split up amongst the winners of each round 
in the UFBA playoffs. I believe that was what was agreed to, but we'll take a more comprehensive look at that next week. And don't forget, the fine and luxury tax pool is something I wanted to remind you all about as well. If your team has been fined, or if your team has dipped into the luxury tax, or I believe the other half of it is if they've been below the luxury tax threshold, those teams are not eligible for the separate fine and luxury tax pool that will be kind of accumulated via, I don't know, buyouts and fines and luxury taxes and so on. All of those things uh, will be paid out. All of, I guess I should say the fines will be collected at the end of the regular season and then afterwards will be paid out to the eligible team. So the reason for that is also because that could also change right up until we get to the playoffs. So the fine luxury tax pool will potentially continue to grow every month when we do the cap snapshots. And of course, we did one from the beginning of January. We just did one at the beginning of February. And one more for March, one more for April. And then after that, we will collect all the fines and luxury tax information. So don't forget, prize pool rolls over to the next year as of the UFBA trade deadline on Friday, February 11th at 3 p.m. Eastern. Please get your trades in. I can see, I'll say this as well, I can see up to the second when trades are proposed. So if a, a trade is accepted by both parties at like 3 o'clock and 10 seconds past the hour, that trade's not getting processed, okay? I am not afraid to use the reject button liberally, okay? So please get your trades in before 3 p.m. Eastern on Friday. Let's move over to the conference names. I, I think when I took over as head of sport here, I, I took over at the beginning of the new year. I hadn't realized, actually, the conferences hadn't been named and that the divisions hadn't been named either. I think this was done partly because there was some room for uh, naming conventions, you know, maybe some sponsors would want to get attracted to it. But as the other sports grew as well, you can look over to the football conference. They have one of their conferences, I believe, is called the Madden Conference. You look over at baseball, which is launching in a couple of uh, couple of weeks. We hope, right? Cross your fingers with the lockout, but still, you hope that's coming soon. So, you know, they have the, I believe, it's the Vin Scully and the Harry Carey conferences, right? So we wanted to have our conferences names set as well. Um, the UFF Sports admin team are very much in the works of creating a very snazzy looking page. For the UFHL, the Hockey League, and the UFBA is going to be next now that I've received all the logos from all of you guys. So we wanted to have the conference name so they can have their graphics kind of made up there. And I'm very pleased to announce that the, the conference names were, were voted on by you guys, the franchise owners. Everyone did reach out to me. I was, I was initially tempted to kind of run some kind of bracket-style competition, but the more I thought about it, I felt it was better that you, the franchise owners, people who are going to be playing in this league for years to come are the ones to really give your input on that. And the names in the three options as well were actually submitted by all of the owners, all of the GMs. And again, thank you for doing that. And there are six, in my opinion, of the greatest players to ever lace them up. I'm glad we got a good grouping. The, uh, the options were we tried to have some kind of theme to go along with it, right? So the options were Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell. That was option one. Uh, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, that was option two. And option three was Michael Jordan and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And I admit to have, having, have had a tough time with option three a little bit, just because MJ and Kareem, you know, they weren't exactly contemporaries, right? Like, they, you know, MJ kind of came into his own in the, like, the mid to late 80s. And, you know, the and that was after the kind of clashes with the Bad Boy Pistons and guys like Isaiah Thomas and so on. And even when they, even when they beat them, MJ continued to dominate, and there wasn't really a true analog with any one guy. Kareem, I think, was largely about to retire in the late 80s and so on. So I, I just wanted to have the theme of the best players of all time. We kind of went with some rivalries with 
Wilt and Bill and Larry and Magic. And then, of course, with uh, MJ and Kareem, it was just two of the best players of all time. But uh, we do have an announcement to make. You, the franchise owners, chose in an overwhelming majority, I would say, more than half of the franchises voted for option two, Magic and Bird. So you can see that here. Yeah, Bird and Magic conferences. Um, conference one, as it is currently stated, will be the Bird Conference. Conference two, as it is currently named, will be the Magic Conferences. Thank you again for voting on that. Uh, maybe the most storied rivalry, the most famous rivalry in the history of professional basketball. So I'm definitely a great choice. Uh, Larry Legend and Magic Johnson, who I will add, if you do not follow Magic on Twitter, he is a hilarious follow on Twitter and probably one of my favorites. So again, there you go. As chosen by you, the UFBA Bird and Magic. So I'll probably make those updates and fan tracks and the UFF website in the not too distant future. So thank you again for voting. I'll mention this as well. The division names um, will be chosen by the winners of each division at the end of the regular season, right? Because of course, once we get into the playoffs, divisions don't really matter, kind of like <laughs> in the real life NBA. So uh, don't forget if you are currently at or near the top of your divisional race, uh, you will be allowed to choose, if you do end up winning, the name of your division. I'll say this as well. Uh, I've decided to remove Michael Jordan from the running for any one division. Kind of seems unfair that kind of like the universally chosen greatest basketball player of all time will be any one division's name. So I have decided, because we do give out a uh, a prize for the MVP as determined by the, the basketball competition committee and the commissioner and certainly myself are all on there. So I've decided to make Michael Jordan the kind of the Michael Jordan award will be the name of the MVP award. And that'll be the overall, I think the top producing fantasy player in the UFBA today. So that player will win the Michael Jordan award and uh, the owner of that player in the UFBA will get a little SCO prize. So I think that makes it a little more fair because we don't have to then uh, argue over who gets to have Michael Jordan uh, because he is the probably the greatest player of all time. LeBron James is still playing. Whether or not you think he's the greatest player of all time, hey, that's up to you, but uh, he's not retired yet, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. And uh, all division names will be picked from the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame, just to make things a little easier. I know people wanted to have things like... Uh, I think it was something like like the and one conference or the you know the double dribble conference or so, stuff like that, right? Uh, the founders did want to keep the name of the the branding a little consistent across the board, especially when you look at the other leagues. So we're going to stick to members of the Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, again, Kevin Lewis is going to join us in a couple of minutes. He is going to chat with us about the UFWBA and the franchise auction plans across UFF sports. But before, Kevin, I wanted to take a look at the standings. Now, uh, if we can pull up the graphics here for the standings, you'll see that, you know, if you go back throughout the entire season, there's been a lot of movements, a lot of uh, a lot of teams that have started to pull ahead. Right. I mean, in conference one again, which is now going to be called the bird conference, you can see the Spitfire aviators are only four games ahead of the majesty, but they have done so despite a just a, a plethora of injuries and movements and so on. I mentioned already, we didn't show the graphic because the trade happened right before the episode, but uh, Yusuf Nurkic is going to be a member of the Aviators now. He's been traded to, uh, to the Aviators from the Slashers. So the Aviators have managed to stay atop their conference all season long. The Majesty have actually uh, overtaken the Ballers for second place. So that's pretty impressive there. And Conference 2 in the Magic, uh, the Magic Conference, you can kind of see the Skyhooks and the Midnight Owls 
are, uh, you know, they're kind of tied for second place. Only five games lost all season long for the Midnight Owls, and they just acquired Shea Gilgis-Alexander, amongst others. So look out for the Midnight Owls. The Skyhooks also have a very talented team, a very young team. I, I want to say they have, like, Evan Mobley and Cade Cunningham and Scotty Barnes and Suggs and Green. They have a lot of the, the young players, so... Uh, look out for them as well as the season continues. Maybe these young guns will be given more minutes and more opportunities to score. Um, you can kind of see in the, the, so the, the, the green part of this tab, and this is all available on the UFBA cap sheets, which are uh, available to all franchise owners and GMs and really for anyone to take a look at. The green in this tab are the teams that are currently in the one through six playoff spots. As you can see, right, there are six spots there. The yellow tab will be the, the, the teams, the franchise owners, people who will compete in the play-in tournament once the UFBA regular season is over. And we have some separate rules for the play-in tournament, and then we'll get to the actual, you know, actual 1v8, 2v7, et cetera, matchups of the UFBA playoffs, much like the NBA does itself. A little, a little wonky because the play-in tournament is something that's been a newly introduced to basketball over the last couple of seasons, but I think we made a we kind of came up with a way to make it work. And then, of course, the teams in red are the teams that are currently not eligible for the playoffs. But hey, I mean, the Mustangs are only one game out of the playoffs in the Magic Conference. The Hyenas only a couple games off out of the playoffs in the Bird Conference. Right? There's a lot of uh, time left in the UFBA, so I think there are are going to be some risers, are going to be some fallers especially as you would take into account some of the injuries that I'm sure will happen. Bradley Beal, for example, had season-ending wrist surgery. How will those ripple effects be felt across the UFBA with his absence, other guys filling in? Anyway, so it's very exciting. If you go down to the divisions as well, you'll be able to see some of the exciting division races. And as I mentioned, divisions will be named by the winners. Um, you can kind of see the, the Reapers in the conference standings have actually jumped from sixth to fourth place and yet are still 18 games back of the of the of the owls in i think it's division 6 right now um the hustlers have moved into the top 6 in the overall picture the brigade now sit in 7th place the brigade are 3rd place in division 5 and speaking of division 5 you can kind of see that i i would say this is probably the tightest division race across the entire UFBA the bombers hustlers brigade and underdog are separated from beginning to end by just 8 games and five games between the Bombers and Hustlers seems like a lot, but it's not a lot. So if the Bombers can maintain their lead over the next couple of months, hey, kudos to them. But I think that is easily the tightest division across the entire UFBA. Um, obviously, congrats to the division leaders right now. The Ballers in number one, the Aviators in division number two, Majesty in number three, the Skyhooks in number four, Bombers and Owls in five and six. I got to say, I, I didn't mention too much about the Spitfire Aviators and their GM rightfully called me out. I almost felt like it was uh, not, not ho-hum necessarily, but it's just, I think it was almost, they've been so good for so long. It is almost, you almost forget how impressive a job they've done. So, hey, kudos to the Aviators for staying on top of the conference and their division for so much of the year. Sharpshooter is just seven games back, but uh, you know I'm, I'm not saying it's over for the Mamba Sharks and Defenders in Division 2, but when you're 20-plus games back with uh, a couple of months to go, you know, unless something miraculous happens, probably not going to change. But again, congratulations to all the current Divisioners, and uh, if you stay in those places, you will get to name your Division at the end of the year. All right, I mentioned it earlier on in the episode, but very pleased to be joined now by our guest, here on UFBA today, Kevin Lewis, head of sport for the UFWBA. Kevin, how are you? Thanks for joining me, man. Hey, good afternoon. Everything is well. How about yourself, Show? 
I'm doing good. Yeah, we're just uh, taking a look at all the things, the ongoing activities across the world of basketball, both uh, in UFF sports land and in real life. But again, I'm very happy for you to be joining me today on this episode of UFBA Today. Now, obviously, I wanted you to come on and join us so we can chat about the UFWBA. But before we get to that, I was hoping you could tell you know, the viewers, potential franchise owners out there, our current franchise owners in UFBA, maybe what attracted you about joining the UFF Sports platform and kind of like what, what, how did you got involved with UFF Sports in general in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest thing that interests me in, in joining forces with UFF Sports was the idea of bringing fantasy sports into a real life simulation when it comes to owning a franchise. We all as fans talk on Twitter, the Instagram world, the Facebook worlds on how we think uh, we would be able to run a franchise. And that's, of course, looking at it from a fan's perspective. So with the opportunity of UFF Sports um, that's giving fans themselves, it gives all of us an opportunity to be that franchise owner and be able to kind of build that roster or build our ideal roster from a winning standpoint. And it definitely um, adds a lot of fun to what we're doing. So um, that's really what interests me. It's so, um, so hands-on as well. And I, I do believe that um, this is going to be the future of fantasy sports. Yeah, professional fantasy sports is how we refer to a lot of our activities here on the UFF platform. So I 1,000% uh, agree with you. So obviously, you're a big basketball fan, Kevin. What, what specifically about the WNBA attracts you to it? Well, as far as the WNBA itself, it is truly the purest form of basketball that you can ever watch. Um, when you're looking at uh, their counterparts within the NBA, we see the evolve, uh, the evolving of the three-point shot. And of course, we can thank uh, Steph Curry for that. Um, but when you're looking at overall skill, um, the WNBA definitely packs uh, a lot more from an impact perspective when you're talking skill, talking IQ. Um, and again, when you repeat the purest form of the game, that's what brings uh, that what brings that about uh, with the WNBA. And that interests me because I was a point guard and I always played um, below the rim. Um, I'm a little short, so um, my, my biggest thing was always playing below <laughs> the rim and never above the rim. But I also had um, teammates, you know, who, who played above the rim. But from an IQ standpoint, I think that the women's game is definitely, um, to me, um, and this is my opinion, just a little more appealing because when you're looking at it from an a intellectual IQ standpoint, uh, the skill level is definitely way up there. Um, and that's no slight to the to the men's game because that's definitely um, something that's very interesting as well. But again, when you're looking at from an overall skill set, from an overall IQ perspective, um, I truly believe that the women's game is definitely up there. Okay, you know what? I can get behind that. I can get behind that. I've all, I, I, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you, Kevin. I've always really hoped that a WNBA franchise will eventually make its way to Toronto. I think, uh, you know, with the, I think you often see the WNBA in, 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 uh, in markets that already have an NBA franchise, so they can share some of the facilities and so on. Here in, at Scotiabank Arena in downtown Toronto, I think would be a perfect, I'm just saying, perfect place for a, a Toronto NBA, a WNBA franchise. Um, I do want to get to a couple other things with you here on the WNBA specifically. I, I would say 
WNBA stars are some of the most fun to follow on social media. They bring the clothing. They make great, like a lot of great follows out there. Who do you think are some of the, maybe let's say two or three WNBA stars that we should all be following, whether it's on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, whatever you name, but three WNBA stars we should maybe be following on social media. Oh, yes, for sure. And one one of the biggest follows uh, that I follow myself is Natasha Cloud of the Washington Mystics okay. and currently of uh, Athletes Unlimited. Um, she is an incredible follow. Um, and what's unique about Natasha Cloud is she brings um, so many perspectives from the fashion, from the the basketball um from just overall culture and um she's one of she's one of my favorite follows um another one who also plays um in the uh athletes unlimited currently is lexi brown um so i, I do believe that again um she also follows uh, a lot um from a fashion standpoint um I, I truly love um her perspective on things um especially on the basketball court as well so I think for me, uh, those are two of the the best follows. I have so many other um, follows that are that are good. And if um, I know you had asked for two, but I can't. Um, of course, I'm gonna be a little rebellious. So um, Liz Cambage uh, is another one, and uh, Taya Cooper is definitely another one um, that that you should follow. And I can't forget Asia Wilson. Um, she is probably one of the most unique follows out of all that I've mentioned. Um, but it, it's so fascinating just following uh, the women on on these social media platforms and following their stories, um, because that's pro that's probably the most important thing that a lot of people don't see um, is the storytelling uh, within the WNBA and following those uh, particular players would definitely um, kind of paint that picture of what you're looking for in storytelling. You mentioned Cambage and Wilson, and it's funny. I would say basketball is a sport, men and women's. Uh, athletes within that sport have always been very willing to use their platform to stand up and to talk about others and to, to bring, like, to use their voice to bring attention to issues that maybe otherwise wouldn't have gotten a ton of attention. And it's funny, right? Because I feel like as much as credit I'll give to the, the men's basketball players for doing that over the years, People like Asia Wilson and Liz Cambage and a lot of the other stars of the WNBA have been l lending their voices to important socio-economic, political, gender issues that have been, I don't know, sports are generally speaking a reflection of real life. And the WNBA players, I think for years and years and years, even before this current generation of players have been doing that, and I, and I commend them for doing so. So it's, I think it's, it's something that I, I dare say is more unique to the WNBA than maybe any other professional sports franchise, at the very least in North America. Maybe things are different outside of North America, but you and I are here in North America. So I, I would definitely say limited to that. Um, let's discuss your plans for the UFWBA. Kevin, I think that's uh, something you and I have had tons of meetings about over the last couple of months. It's very exciting. The actual WNBA season is going to start in the not too distant future. So why don't you tell everyone about some of your plans for the franchise auction and uh, the rule book and so on? Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest thing is definitely getting the word out that the UFWBA is here. And of course, with the partners of the of UFF Sports and the UFBA, we're definitely going to definitely try to mirror a lot of what the UFBA is doing. But um, 
putting our own little twist to it um, from a UFWBA standpoint. So, of course, we've had plenty of discussions on when we're anticipating for the franchise auctions to, um, to be uh, presented. And we're looking at somewhere um, mid, mid-March. mid um, So once we get a definite um, date, we'll definitely uh, advertise that as well. The biggest thing that I'm looking for for fans themselves is to definitely be engaged, um, be very engaged. We're on Twitter. You can follow us at uh, the W, uh, the UFWBA, I'm sorry. And um, a lot of interaction on social media is going to be very important. Um, so as we continue to build our uh, rule book, build our process, uh, we want the fans to actually inquire some more. Um, I am definitely open to opening up a Twitter spaces or opening up a Spotify green room so we can talk about it more. So fans can actually ask questions because again, this is one of the most unique uh, ideas that UF UFFS has, has uh, created. And I, I do believe that as a franchise owner of a women's basketball team, you will be able to call whatever shots um, you want to call. So it's definitely going to be very exciting as we approach uh, May 6th, which is the start of the WNBA season. And as long as you're um, definitely looking at different scouts and players, um, you know, once the franchise auction is available, uh, you'll be more than happy to continue to, uh, you know, have your, your draft and, and make sure that you have the players that you need. But again, it all starts with communication. So definitely follow uh, the UFWBA on Twitter, and we can definitely continue to have these conversations. And again, with the rule book itself, um, of course, that is still pending. And I've also uh, created uh, somewhat of a gameplay um, idea that also is on Twitter as well. You can definitely look at that. Okay. Uh, but there. Definitely a few things that we're going to tweak um, since since that release. But again, you know, definitely we want engagement. We want um, everyone to be excited about it. And we want people to ask questions. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we'll uh, definitely be announcing the franchise auction dates in the uh, not too distant future, maybe even in the couple of days right after we release this episode of the UFBA today. Um, I guess before I let you go, Kevin, I do. I do got to ask you and I have had conversations about the rule book and how, you know, I think we, we know the basketball is, is largely similar in a lot of ways between the NBA and the WNBA. But of course, uh, one of the major differences is the size of rosters, right? I mean, there are just there are just far fewer people in the WNBA than there are in the NBA. And I know we had had discussions about core players, core players being on teams and maybe in the off season people can trade. Can you talk can you talk a little bit about maybe your how you envision the core player function of the UFWBA kind of being put into practice? Yeah, absolutely. So the core player idea is definitely stemming from some of what we already see in the WNBA. So with the core players, we're looking at at least two max players where you can either say, hey, they have a no trade clause, or if they do decide to want to waive that trade clause based off of the franchise owner, they can definitely um, do that. But we're looking at two core players that are uh, superstars uh, within the league themselves 
that you can have full autonomy or on what you want to do with that particular player. Um, again, this is something similar to what the WNBA is doing. A perfect example is John Quell Jones and a Jewel Lloyd who had just signed for uh, max deals for the Connecticut Sun and the Seattle Storm. They are considered and designated as core players. Um, that's their basically their franchise tag, if you want, if you want to call it that as well. So it's very important from a core player standpoint to be very mindful on how you draft because those are going to be your star players that you're definitely going to need um, from a roster build standpoint. We're looking in between nine to 12 um, because, of course, in the WNBA, you have 144 players total uh, with 12 teams. So that's about 12 um, players per roster. And what we're trying to do is we want to make sure that we have a, a bounty of uh, additional players from a free agent standpoint, or if you want to uh, claim someone off of the waiver wire, that you'll be able to do that and your roster will still be good enough, you know, to play week in and week out. But uh, more specifically about those core players, it's very important that you do your scouting, you do your research in regards to who you would like to draft in that particular draft auction, because those are going to be your star players and your players that are hopefully going to carry you to victory at the end of the season. I like it. See, already a major kind of tweak, a major difference between how the UFBA will function and how the UFWBA will function. But again, I'm chatting with Kevin Lewis, the head of sport for women's basketball on the UFF platform. Kevin will also be the commissioner, at least for year one, right, Kevin? We're not sure. We'll see how it goes, but year one, you're going to be the commissioner as well. I appreciate you joining me on this episode of UFBA Today, and uh, hopefully we can have you again on closer to the franchise options. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, show. And again, make sure you follow the you uh the UFWBA. It's at the UFWBA on Twitter. Make sure you follow, make sure you engage, and it's going to be a fun season. Yeah, there's a lot of exciting stuff ahead for the world of women's basketball. That is Kevin Lewis, and he will join me again a little later on this season as we get towards franchise auctions, which will probably, I think, maybe again, maybe as soon as this episode is out, we'll let you know about the uh, next dates for the UFWBA franchise auctions. Spoiler alert, I think it's going to be at some time in the month of March during a March Madness. But that kind of does it for this episode of UFBA Today. Thank you for listening. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe if you're listening on podcast, or give us a like and a follow if you're listening and watching on YouTube. Uh, on next week's episode, I mentioned it already, but we'll take a look at any outstanding trades after the UFBA trade deadline this Friday on the 11th at 3 p.m. Almost forgot the date. 3 p.m. <laughs> Eastern time on the 11th this Friday. And of course, we will take a look at the exact totals being available, being made available to you, franchise owners and GMs, in the prize pool and the fines and luxury tax pool as well. I'll talk to you next week on UFBA Today.